The following is a production of Phoenix Media. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look at the sky! Look! It's a plane! It's a plane! It's Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. When Kent, Jimmy Olsen, and young Pug Flanagan took passage on a boat from Panama to the United States, they never realized what was in store for them. But at this very moment, Kent and Jimmy are trapped in the cabin of a foreign agent who has masqueraded aboard ship as an elderly lady. With them are two other passengers, Dr. Michael Barrington, an English surgeon, and his daughter, June. Only Pug, recovering from a slight accident in his own cabin, has escaped capture by the agent and his henchman, Hunt. Things look very dark for Kent and his friends. To become Superman and save the situation would be to reveal his double identity to Jimmy and the others. What can he possibly do? Stand against the wall, all of you. I have a very nervous finger on the trigger of this gun. Better do it, folks. All right, Kent. Oh, this is tense. Hunt, close the door. Yeah. Lock it. Now open that suitcase and set up the portable wires. He will try to make contact. Very good. Now, my friend... What do you mean, friend? What sort of a game do you think you're playing? It is far from a game... Believe me, I deeply regret having to cause any of you embarrassment, but unfortunately you brought it on yourselves by virtue of your own curiosity. We're not interested in listening to speeches. This speech will interest you. It will interest all of you very much. What do you mean? Precisely at midnight, Dr. Barrington, this ship is going to the bottom of the ocean. And unfortunately, you are all going with it. Oh, See if you can make contact. Yeah. You don't think you can get away with this, do you? Who do you think will stop me? This ship is traveling through protected waters. <laughs> that is very humorous, Doctor. <laughs> very humorous. I have made contact, sir. Good. Tell them everything is well in hand. Midnight is the hour. We will disembark 15 minutes before. That is all. Yeah. I wonder whether you realize that three passengers on this boat are American citizens. Of course I do. But I gave you a fair warning. Warning that you chose to ignore. My responsibility is at an end. Why are you seeking this ship? A very sensible question, Miss Barrington. Deserving of an answer. Simply because it is carrying a cargo of nitrate. 
A cargo that must never reach its destination. So you think nothing of taking the lives of more than a dozen people to destroy a few tons of nitrate? Yes, Doctor. Just as you think nothing of taking the lives of a dozen guinea pigs to perfect a new medicine. You're a murderer. A cold-blooded murderer. I'd give my right arm to have Superman here now. He'd fix you. Don't lose your temper, Jim. It is best for all of you to remain calm. We have more than an hour to wait. The message has been sent. Go up on deck and keep a sharp eye out. You know the signals. Yes. Report the moment you sight them. Very well. Look here, man. Is there nothing that will appeal to your sense of decency? You must not be too harsh, Doctor. I am a servant of the state. It is not for me to give the orders, simply to carry them out. If you had not attempted to interfere with me, you would have been given ample opportunity to escape by a small boat. That would have been very considerate of you. I think so, Mr. Kent. But as it is, you have gambled with that opportunity and lost. Perhaps not. The cards haven't all been dealt. Unfortunately for you, they have. And I am holding the ace. Before we leave this doomed ship, all of you will be bound and gagged. I can take no chance of failure. Wait a minute. What was that noise? A storm coming up. We expected it. We'll serve our purpose admirably. Ships have been lost at sea before during violent tropical storms. You're a fiend. Nothing but a fiend. You hear me? A fiend. June, June, darling. You're going to murder us, Father, in cold blood. With thunder rolling across the dark ocean like a warning of impending doom, Clark Kent watches the minutes slip by, knowing full well that to assume the role of Superman will be to reveal forever his double identity. Meanwhile, in the excitement, Pug Flanagan has been forgotten. But back in his cabin, Pug has awakened, found himself none the worse for his accident in the hold of the ship, and, unaware of what has transpired, starts searching for Kent and Jimmy Olsen. As he reaches the deck, a bolt of lightning momentarily cleaves the darkness, and he notices Hans standing at the rail. Yeah, pal. Yeah? You haven't seen a big, tall guy and a kid about my size snapping around, have you? You're uh, looking for someone? Uh, yeah. Uh, my friend Clark Kent and my buddy, Jimmy Olsen. You ain't seen him, have you? You are the other boy who was traveling with Mr. Kent? Yeah. Hey, what are you looking at me that way for? I, I, I was just uh, surprised. Uh, come. I will show you where you can find Mr. Kent. You know where he is? Yes, I do. Is Jimmy with him? Uh, the other boy, yes. But uh, come. I will show you. Why? Yes. The storm is going to break soon. Yeah. Why are you stopping? Because I smell a rat, that's why. What do you mean? There's something phony about you taking me to where Mr. Kent is. You're too anxious. <laughs> it is just that I wish to help you. Come. Let go of my arm. You're a very strange boy. Never mind about that. Let go of my arm, I said. Listen, you little swine. Come along or I will throw you overboard. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you can't get away. I'll break every bone in your skinny butt. That's what you think. Oh! Dirty. I can still kick, mister. Try this one. Oh! Go on. I'll be kicking you. Come back. Come back, Andre. Come back. Up and up. It's his hands. Yes, 
What's the matter? I feel white as a ghost. Close the door. Speak up. What happened? The other kid. He got away from me. What are you talking about? Mr. Kent, pause. Uh, I was standing at the rail, watching for the signal, when a skinny kid, he came up, and asked whether I had seen Kent. Yes, yes. Well, I told him I would take him to where Kent was. So, we started across the deck, but he got suspicious. So, I grabbed him. But the little swine, he kicked me and got away. Good old Pug. Shut up. Pug will tell the captain. Shut up, or I'll... Don't you dare lay a hand on him. I'll take care of all of you later. Hunt, where did the boy go? I do not know. I lost him in the darkness. I can look for him, but I thought it best to warn him. You should never have let him escape. What could I do? I told you before he kicked me. All right. I'll find him then. You won't kick an elderly lady. Here, take this gun. Yeah. Don't be afraid to use it and shoot to kill. You understand? Yeah, yeah, I understand. Lock the door behind me and don't open it for anyone. I will be back shortly. Remember, Hum, shoot to kill. Well, it was this way, Captain. I was looking for my pal, Clark Kemp and Jimmy Olsen. And I seen this guy standing at the rail. He was dressed in white, just like a waiter. This is very strange. The waiters are not permitted on the passenger deck. Well, he was there. So I asked him if he'd seen Mr. Kent and Jimmy. He gets all excited and tells me he'll take me to where they are. But it didn't sound right to me, so I said, it's me. Then he grabbed him by the arm, and he starts to get tough. That's when I hauled off and kicked him. I do not understand this. You're the captain of this tub, ain't you? Of course, I am the captain. Well, there's something screwy going on. I do not know. What is this uh, screwy? Uh, something's wrong. Where's Kent and Jimmy? Why did this guy try to give me the rush act? We will investigate. We will find this waiter and demand an explanation. Vaminos. Huh? I said Vaminos, which means in my language, uh, let us go. Oh, okay. What's that? Uh, someone is knocking at the door. Good evening, Captain. Oh, good evening, senor. Oh, there you are. Oh, me? Yes, we are having a little party in my cabin. We have been looking for you. Looking for me? Yes. Mr. Kent and Timmy wanted to be at the party. We sent a waiter to find you, but he said you refused to come. Uh, don't you want to join us? I'll be. You mean you sent that waiter to get me? You mean Mr. Kent and Jimmy are in your cabin? Uh-huh. Now, won't you join us? <laughs> you see... It is nothing at all. That waiter didn't say he was inviting me no place. <laughs> Possibly he didn't understand. But what difference does it make? Mr. Kent and Timmy are waiting for you. We are having a wonderful party with ice cream and, and cake and candy. Okay. But if I see that waiter tomorrow, I'm going to tell him a thing or two. I'm sorry I, I bothered you, Captain. <laughs> it is nothing. It is <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> Good night, Captain. Buenas noches, senora. Buenas noches. Mr. Kent and Timmy will be very happy to see you. Uh, how long have they been in your cabin? Oh, just a short time. Ain't it kind of late to be holding a party? Oh, no. We plan to have a big blowout at midnight. A very big blowout. Oh. Oh, well, that's well. 
Hog wouldn't think it so swell if he knew what the old lady means by a big blowout. It looks like he's being led into the same trap that holds Kent, Jimmy, and the Barringtons. If only he knew that the elderly lady hobbling along beside him is, in reality, a foreign agent masquerading as a woman. What will happen? Don't forget to tune in next time for another thrilling episode with Superman. Tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine. Behold, my process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh? It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. Ha <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming Video Game Box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. When we last saw Kent, he and Jimmy Olsen were being held at gunpoint in the cabin of a foreign agent aboard a ship loaded with nitrate bound from Panama to the United States. With them are two English passengers, Dr. Michael Barrington and his daughter, June. The ship is to be sunk at midnight, and as time passes, Kent realizes that in order to save the lives of all on board, he will have to assume the role of Superman, even though it means revealing his double identity. Then suddenly, a ray of hope gleams. Young Pug Flanagan, forgotten in the excitement, has gone to the captain with a report that Kent and Jimmy are missing, and that something strange is going on aboard the ship. But the foreign agent, leaving his henchman Hans to guard our friend, has followed Pug to the captain's quarters disguised as an elderly lady. Listen... Someone is knocking at the door. Good evening, Captain. Buenas noches, senor. Oh, there you are. Oh, me? Yes. Uh, we have been uh, looking for you. We are having a little party in my camp. Mr. Kent is there and Jimmy. Well, I'll be. We sent one of the waiters to find you, but he said you refused to come. You see, it is nothing at all. You mean to say Mr. Kent and Jim are in your cabin? Uh-huh. We are having a lovely time. Won't you join us? Sure, but why didn't the waiter tell me instead of getting tough? Oh, we probably didn't understand. Doesn't make any sense to me, but I suppose it's okay. I'm sorry, I apologize. It is not. 
Good night, Captain. Buenas noches, senora. Buenas noches. Mr. Kemp and Jimmy will be very happy to see you. How long have they been in your cabin? Oh, just a short time. Ain't it kind of late to be holding a party? Oh, no, no, not on board ship. We we plan to have a big blowout at midnight. A very big blowout. Oh, sounds like a storm coming up. Yes, it does. Now, I must be careful going down these steps. I'm not as young as I used to be. Uh, I'll help you, lady. Oh, thank you. Just take it easy. Oh, you're a perfect little gentleman. Ah, there we are. Oh, my cabin is at the end of this corridor. Wait a minute. Why, something the matter? Yeah, plenty. You ain't no dame. What do you mean? Just what I said. You're just wearing them clothes to make out you're an old lady. What in the world are you talking about? Listen, I wasn't born yesterday. I had to hold your arm coming down and step. You got muscles like a man. And I know how to use them, too. Let go of me. Not this time. Oh, no. Oh. Keep me, will you? Yeah, here's another one. There. Oh. I'll fix you. Stop. Uh, you guys like to put me. Uh, come back here. You won't get away. That's what you think. Go ahead. When I get my hands on you. Don't make me laugh. Got away. He was right. Can't run in this outfit. Well, it just means speeding things up a little. Pants, open. You found him? Close the door. Well, I found him, but he got away. Oh, boy. You won't be so happy in a short while. Go up on deck, Hans. Keep a sharp lookout. He won't wait until midnight. I will make contact immediately and tell them to come ahead. <laughs> What is your hurry? The boy knows I'm not an old woman. Every minute counts. Give me that gun. You're having a chance now. You'd better give up. When I need your advice, Mr. Kent, I'll ask for it. Until then, keep your mouth shut. Go ahead, Hans. Yeah, I go. Now I want to warn each one of you that from this moment on, I'm a desperate man. If I fail in this mission, my life means nothing. So you see, I have very little to lose. Don't move. If you do... It will be the end for all of you. But even as the message that will hurry the doom of the ship and all on board crackles through the air, Hug Flanagan, having made good his escape, realizes that the situation calls for quick action. Unwilling to trust even the captain, he has equipped himself with a length of rope and is determined once and for all to find out whether Kent and Jimmy Olsen are being held prisoners in the cabin of the bogus old woman. Clutching his coil of rope, he slips silently to the deck above the cabin, reaches the rail, and leans far over. That's the porthole right below. I can see it lit up. All I gotta do is tie the rope to the rail and shinny down and take a look. I wish this tub wasn't bouncing around the way it is. Oh, hurry. That storm's gonna hit us soon. Tied tight enough. Can't take a chance of her slipping. Because if she does, I'm a dead pigeon. Okay, Flanagan. Over you go. Wow. Almost lost my balance that time. Gotta be careful. Maybe I better tie the end of the rope around my middle. Just in case. Yeah. Yeah, that's better. Now to shinny down to that porthole. Blowing. 
can't hear me. This is going to be a cinch. Just a couple of feet more. Hey, wait a minute. Porthole's open. I don't want to stick my foot through it. Better slide over a little. Yeah, that does it. I hope nobody spots me when I look into the porthole. Gotta be careful. Easy now. Easy. Holy smoke. There's Mr. Canton, Jimmy, and that white-haired guy and his daughter lying up against the wall. And that phony dame's got him covered with a gun. What will I do? I can only bust the light and give Kent a chance to stock him in the dark. Yeah, but how am I going to do it? I know. A rubber band and a nail. It's just as good as a bean shooter. It'll be tough shooting if hanging on to this rope. But I think I can do it. Up you go, Flanagan. While Pug climbs back up the dangling rope to go in search of a rubber band and a nail, the atmosphere in the cabin of the foreign agent grows more tense by the moment. Facing what he believes to be certain death, Dr. Barrington maintains a stony silence as he watches his daughter's wan, pale face for some sign of her cracking under the strain. Even Jimmy, accustomed to danger, seems to have given up hope. Only Kent is alert, for he realizes that unless a miracle happens, he will soon have to reveal his true identity and take matters into his own hands. Outside, the wind howls past the open porthole as the ship plows through a heavy sea to its doom. The storm's going to break soon, Mr. Kent. Sounds that way, Jim. I wonder what happened to Pug. I think by this time he'd have notified the captain. Don't waste your time thinking about it. I bet he didn't get away. I bet you did something to him. Perhaps. What difference does it make? It makes this difference. Thus far, all you've done is threaten the lives of innocent people. But I warn you, if any harm comes to that boy, you'll suffer for it as you've never suffered before. Wouldn't you call that rather an idle promise? With you in the position you are in? I won't be in this position long. <laughs> Your confidence is very refreshing. It's beginning to rain. Yeah. Would you mind closing the porthole? Miss Barrington is getting wet. Not at all. Oh. Oh, I see. It's just a ruse to divert my attention for a moment. Close it yourself if you wish. No, wait. On second thought, I think it should remain open. Yes, leave it open. I may want to look out in a hurry. A little rain won't hurt Miss Barrington. She might just as well get used to being wet. How much longer have we to wait? Not long. Ten or fifteen minutes. Then what? Then I leave you to your prayers. I haven't bothered to ask, but I assume the plans are to torpedo the ship. Your assumption, Mr. Kent, is quite correct. Don't you think it would be the decent human thing to do to permit passengers and crew to get away in lifeboats? Unfortunately, that is not possible. There must be no survivors to tell how the ship went to the bottom. That you can well understand. I can understand only one thing. That men like you don't deserve to be called human beings. You seem to forget one thing. I gave you ample opportunity to avoid being a part of this. I warned you once before we said and once after. What more could I do? What about Dr. Barrington and his daughter? They are enemies. No use, Mr. Kent. It's no use talking to him. Poor pug. I'm sure something happened to him, or otherwise he'd have brought help. Easy, Jim. Only ten more minutes. Stay right where you are, Mr. Kent. Don't move. Now listen. I don't know your name, and I don't care to know it. But I'm giving you one more chance to act like a human being. 
What you do with this ship is none of my business, but what you do with the people on board is my business. I'm warning you, Kent. Don't try anything. Look, someone's at the porthole. Down on the floor! Get down! Orange tongues of flame stab the sudden darkness of the cabin, darkness that enables Clark Kent to become Superman and hurl himself bodily at the armed agent. But in a momentary lull in the storm, the sound of shots reaches the ears of Hans, standing at the ship's rail. Alarmed, he runs along the deck, only to stop short when he reaches the spot where a rope has been tied to the railing. What is this? A rope dangling over the side. Someone climbing up it. Good thing I brought the flashlight with me. Skinny kid. The one who got away from me. You, boy. What? Don't bother climbing any higher. I am going to cut the rope. No, no. And when I do, you will drop into the sea. Please, please. Too late, my boy. There, there it goes. Hugs plan to shatter the light bulb and throw the cabin into darkness seems to have worked. But at a terrific cost. Can Kent, even a Superman, save the courageous boy from the dark, storm-swept sea? Don't forget to tune in next time for the thrilling conclusion of this story with Superman. Tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Up in the sky, look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! And now, Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. In our last episode, we learned how young Pug Flanagan, in a daring attempt to help Kent and Jimmy Olsen escape from the cabin, where they were held by a foreign agent, climbed down a rope suspended over the side of the ship, armed only with a nail and a rubber band. Fortunately, the cabin's porthole was open. Clinging to the swaying rope, Pug shot the nail at the single light bulb burning in the cabin, shattering it into a million fragments and throwing the room into darkness. Shots rang out as Kent, making use of the dark to become Superman, hurled himself at the foreign agent. Meanwhile, Pug, his work done, started up the rope hand over hand. But the shots had reached the ears of the agent's henchman, a man named Hunt, stationed on deck. Quickly, he ran to the rail where Pug had tied one end of the rope. In the glare of a flashlight, he recognized Pug climbing up. Whipping out a knife, he began to hack at the strands, trying to cut the rope. Listen. You boy, no use climbing any higher. I'm cutting the rope. No, no. And when I do, you will drop into the sea. Please, please. Do let my boy. There it goes. Lightning cleaves the black sky and thunder crashes as Pug, unable to swim, drops like a plummet into the raging storm-swept sea. Through the open porthole of the agent's cabin, Superman's keen hearing catches Pug's last screaming call for help, recognizes it. In an instant, he is on deck, muscles tense, X-ray eyes searching the darkness. A shadowed figure runs across the deck, but faster than light, Superman follows him, clutches his arm. Just a minute. I heard a cry for help. Where's that boy, Pug? Who are you? Never mind who I am. Answer my question. Oh, uh, yes? 
There's your answer. Oh. Oh. And broken. Answer my question. Where's that boy? You're killing me. You're crunching my ribs. Talk and talk fast. He bent over. Where? Which side of the boat? Stop it. Out. I'll be back to take care of you. I don't know whether I can find poor Pug in all this storm, but I've got to try. He's on the surface, but all he can't have floated far. Up! Up! And away! Like some giant bird, Superman wings out over the dark, turbulent waters, red cloaks streaming in the wind, sharp eyes scanning the surface of the sea for some sign of Pug. Jagged bolts of lightning rip across the blackened sky, followed by the crashing boom of thunder. Battling the elements as no one else could, Superman circles closer and closer to the wind-tossed water. Each second carries him further and further away from the ship. Hope begins to wane. Pug is gone. And then suddenly... What's that directly below me? A piece of driftwood? No, it's Pug. He's going under. Down, down. I've got you. Ah, he's unconscious. Better get him back to the ship in a hurry. Up! Up! And away! He had us all covered with his gun, and he said the ship was going to be sunk in ten minutes. Then suddenly I saw a face at the porthole. There was a crash of glass, and the light went out. That's when he fired those shots. And this face at the porthole, you do not know who it was? No, Captain Astero. It all happened too fast. Well, there is one thing of which we can be certain. Those two will not bother us. They are safe in Ireland. But what about Clark Kent and Pug? They've disappeared. I think we will find them someplace on the ship. And what about being sunk by a torpedo? If we are hit, there is only one thing to do. Take to the boat. In this storm? What else is there? Come. We will find Senor Kent and this boy you call uh, Pug. Don't have to look very far, Captain. Oh, Mr. Kent. I'm happy to see you, senor. What happened, Mr. Kent? I thought sure that guy killed you. When the light went out, his gun was pointing right at your chest. How did you escape? Well, I, uh, I guess it was bad marksmanship on his part, Jim. Uh, how are the Barringtons? Miss Barrington fainted, but she's all right now. Oh. Her father's with her in her cabin. Have you seen Pug? Yes, yes, he's safe and sound. That's what brought me up on deck in such a hurry. I heard Pug cry for help. One of our foreign friends was trying to throw him overboard. Tell me what happened to that pair. They are both in Ireland, senor. Oh, good. Now we can relax for a while. Oh, no, we can't. Not if we're going to be torpedoed. Jim, you'd better go down to the cabin and stay with Pug. Captain Mistero and I will watch things up here. Oh, gee, can I be with you? Well, Pug's alone in the cabin. And after what he did, I think he deserves some attention. What do you mean? Well, it was Pug who lowered himself over the side of the ship and broke that electric light bulb. No kidding. That's right. Boy, then he deserves more than attention. He deserves a medal. I'll go right down to him. In case anything happens, call me. I will. A very nice boy, senor. Jimmy? Oh, he's top. Now, look, Captain. Jimmy's probably told you everything, including the possibility this ship may be torpedoed. See, si, but what I am to do, senor? Shall I give orders to turn back? I don't think that would help. I suspect the submarine lying in wait for us won't attack without a signal. If, as you say, the two men are in irons, there will be no signal. All we can do is... Meanwhile, in the darkness of a forward hold, three decks below, a hushed voice rises above the sound of the ship's engine. Um, Listen, yeah. You said some time ago, 
And we have another man on board. Yeah, in the engine room. You think he will have enough sense to find out where we are? How can I tell? I still do not understand what happened. I told you that young swine, the skinny one, climbed down a rope and threw something into the portal. I caught him and cut the rope. At least we accounted for one of them. What good does it do us? Without our signal, Miller will not attack. We've got to get loose and free of these chains. You're wasting your time. Relax. Sure, sure. What difference does it make to you? This is my mission. I'm responsible for its success. Do you know what will happen to me if I fail? Quiet, quiet. Someone comes. Yeah, yeah. I could not come sooner. What have you brought? A hacksaw. It's all I could find. Quickly. Start on this chain. Between my hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't you go any faster? You think we have a knife? Do the best I can. What is doing on the ship? I do not know. I heard you were an iron. I come as soon as I could. Yeah, there, through. All right. Give me the saw. Yeah. I'll do the rest myself. Go back to the engine room. We, w- we don't want anyone looking for you. Yeah, well. When you hear the sound of a gun being fired, come at once to the lower deck. You understand? Yeah, I understand. Now go. Put your arms out, Hans. Five minutes, we'll both be free. Go ahead, Pug. What happened after that? Well, when I did the guy who was making out he was an old lady, I figured something was wrong in his tub. Yeah, there was plenty wrong. Two foreign agents had us cornered in their cabin. Well, I didn't know that, but I knew something was rotten in Denmark. So I got me a hunk of rope, tied to the rail, and went over the side. I'm telling you, Jim, when I saw you and Mr. Kent standing there with that guy pointing a gun at you, I nearly passed out. Boy, I want to Wait a minute, Pug. Uh-huh. Someone at the door. Just trying to open it. Get under the bed. Maybe the man who threw you overboard. Right. I'll get into bed. Oh. You were asleep, huh? Yeah. You didn't think the bottom of No. Come on. We go to the forward deck and give the signal. Yeah. I do not think you will see any lights in your chain. No submarine in these waters would carry lights. No, probably not. I thought I heard the purr of a motor launch. Huh? Jimmy, I thought I... Pug, what are you doing here? Mr. Kent, there's two men, the agents. They got loose. What? No, it cannot be. That's what I thought, but they came into our cabin. I made believe I was asleep. Yes? They said they were going to show a signal on the lower deck at the forward part of the ship. Hey, look. What's that light? Flashing on and off. That must be them. I will put an end to that. No. No, Captain. Leave them alone. You're not going to let us get torpedoed, Mr. Kent. Listen. Hear that motorboat? Yeah. Yeah, I hear it. You're going to pick them up. See, what are we standing here for? We must stop them, senor. What's that? A gun fired across our bow. In order to heave to. Don't pay any attention to it. senor. Trust me, Captain. I forgot to tell you, boys, that we have a visitor on board. A friend of yours, Jimmy. Friend of mine? Mm -hmm. Hey, have you been holding out on me? I don't get you, Mr. Ken. Superman is on board, Jim. Superman? No, Ken. Where is he? Waiting to take care of these murderers in his own way. You two stand here at the rail so you can see the show. Captain, I'd like you to go up on the bridge and shine your searchlight across the water amidships. But, senor, this is most unusual. I know, I know, but it's the best way. 
Very well, I will do it. Where are you going, Mr. Kent? Tell Superman we're ready. The launch is on its way back to the submarine. Now, don't move from this spot no matter what happens. What do you think's going to happen, Jim? Gosh, I don't know. It's all kind of strange. What if something goes wrong? Well, nothing can go wrong with Superman around. You know, I don't get this Superman business. How does a guy know where to find Look, him? Look, the searchlight's on. Oh, it sure lights things up. There's the sub. I can see it. Look, Jim. I see it. And I see something else, too. What? White streak in the water. It's a torpedo coming right at us. No, it can't be. I tell you, it is. Look, it's right in the path of the light now. We're going to be hit. Jim, up there in the sky, look. It's Superman. He's diving, He's diving down. Down in the water. Look at him, like a bullet. What's he going to do? Watch him. He's going after that torpedo. Look, he's got us. Pug, do you see what I see? He's turning the torpedo around, sending it back at the submarine. There it goes. Right into the submarine. And so another Superman adventure ends with the enemies of law and order getting a taste of their own medicine. But there's bound to be something doing when Clark Kent, Jimmy, and their newfound friend, Pug Flanagan, return to Metropolis. So be with us when we begin a new, even more thrilling adventure with Superman. Tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky. Look. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, raise a speeding bullet to its target, send steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. It begins far out at sea, deep beneath the rolling surface of the water... Where a sleek, gray-hulled submarine, modern symbol of America's first line of defense, slips through the murky depths like some giant, sightless creature of the uncharted ocean. Inside the steel hull, the voices of its designer, Charles Grayson, and its commanding officer, Captain Denning, rise above the soft throb of its engine. I'm afraid to take a chance, Mr. Grayson. We're down to 280 now. Uh, but, Captain Denning, the purpose of this test run is to prove that she can stand the pressure at 400 feet and, and better. Why, why, I'll take my life on it. I know, but there are the lives of my crew to consider. I'll grant they were hand-picked for this test run, but even so, I can't expose them to unnecessary danger. It isn't danger. And even if it were, it isn't unnecessary. Why, ever since the conning tower of the first submersible slipped beneath the surface of the water... Every navy in the world has been striving to perfect a ship that could stand the enormous pressure at great depth. Well, you've done that. 280 is good depth. I know, but it's not good enough. Take her down to 350, Captain. Well... It's the only way we'll ever be certain. All right, but there's a prayer on my lips. Diving officer. Speaking, sir. Submerged to 350. I beg your pardon, sir. I said submerged to 350. Yes, sir. Oh, that's that. 
You won't even notice it, Captain. Almost 12 tons of pressure on every square foot of our hull surface. But it won't make the slightest bit of difference. It's 300 now. Any other submarine would be a twisted mass of wreckage for this time. 320. Don't stop, Captain Denning. She'll go to 400 if you let her. 330. I'm afraid of Buckle's face. All stations, check fore and aft for open themes. Report any leakage at once. 340, Captain. Look at the depth gauge. Can you believe your eyes? No, I can't. Wait. We've sprung leaks. Yes? All seems checked, sir. Yes? No leakage. Very good. No leaks? Everything's tight. Then we've done it. We're at 350 feet, leveling off. Captain Denning, do you know what this means? Our country now has a submarine that... What's that? I don't know. We've lost headway. Engine room. Engine room. Engine room reporting. What happened? Why are we stopped? I don't know, sir. The motors are turning up three thousand. But we're not moving. Rev them up to four. Yes, sir. Do you hear that scraping on the hull, Captain? Why, that's strange. Grayson, we're still not moving. But the motor's running at full speed. What's happened to the ship? I can't understand. I have had enough of this. Diving officer, surface at once. We can't, sir. Something's holding us down. What do you mean? I don't know, sir, but we're being held down by something. We can't move in any direction. Great. You hear that? We can't go up and we can't move forward or backward. We're trapped. At 350 feet, Grayson. Trapped. That's scraping on the hull. Listen to it. Like, like iron chains. Listen. All hands at emergency stations. Close battery room bulkhead. Stand by for further orders. Trapped. At 350 feet, the newly designed submarine hangs suspended as though in the grip of some huge sea monster, unable to move in any direction. Meanwhile, back at the naval base, crowds mill at the office of the squadron commander as the bad news travels like wildfire. How many times do I got to tell you the commander ain't seeing nobody? Now stand back there. Hey, you. Well, my name's Kent, Daily Planet. I have a special pass. Okay. Uh, now stand back there. Yeah. Come on, now, everybody. Stand back. Now, everybody, get back. Commander Leeds? Yes? I'm Clark Kent of the Daily Planet. Oh, yes. Glad to know you, Mr. Kent. You're the young man who helped us out about a year ago, aren't you? Oh, it really wasn't anything. Well, they seem to think pretty highly of you. That's why you're the one reporter on the inside. You know what's happened, don't you? I think so. Grayson's new submarine is down somewhere off the coast. At a depth of 350 feet, and evidently unharmed. I don't quite understand, Commander. Neither do we, Kent. There's something strange about all this. Something very strange. Captain Denning, commanding the submarine, has reported his ship at 350 feet. But he's not on the bottom of the ocean. The water at that location is 2,000 feet deep. Then it hasn't sunk. No. But it can't move in any direction. How did you get all this information, if I may ask? The submarine is equipped with a special deep-sea radio sending and receiving set. We've been in contact with it for the last hour. Oh. They're probably talking to Captain Denning in the radio room now. Would you like to listen? Well, yes, I would. All right, this way. Yeah. Anything new, Collins? Captain Denning signed off, sir, to conserve battery. Try to raise him again. Yes, sir. Calling S2V4. Calling S2V4. Come in, please. You'll have to stand close, Kent. The signal is weak. All right. S2V4 back. Come in. Ask him whether there's been any change. Yes, sir. Captain Denning, has there been any change? No change. We can't move in any direction. We seem to be caught by something. We hear peculiar noises on the hull as though iron chains were scraping against it. Come in. 
Ask him if the ship is damaged. Is your ship damaged, Captain Denning? No damage. No leaks. Pressure doesn't bother us. We have enough oxygen for 12 hours. Our batteries are getting weak. Yes, Captain. Captain Denning. Wait. We seem to be moving. Yes, something is dragging us. Something. Hello. Hello. What happened? He's off, sir. Raise him. He said they were moving. Did you hear him, Kent? Yes, but he said something was dragging them. Calling S2V4. Calling S2V4. Come in, please. He did say something was dragging them. What could he mean? Calling S2V4. S2V4. Come in, please. I don't like the look of this, Kent. It doesn't make sense. It is rather strange. Do you know their location, Commander? Wait. Well, Colin? Kent Raisin, sir. Keep trying. Yes, sir. Come on, Kent. Calling S2B4. S2B4. You say you know their location, Commander. Yes, that was the first thing Denning gave us. Two of our salvage boats are on the way. What good is the location if they're moving or being dragged? We must have misunderstood him, Kent. I'm sure that's what he said. Something is dragging us. What could be dragging a 5,000-ton submarine? Why not even Superman could do that? Oh, yes, he could. But, uh, I, I mean, I think he could. Commander, would you give me the location of the submarine? What good would it do you? Well, I don't suppose it would do me much good, but... Ted, I'm going to try something that's never been done before. I'm going to take another submarine down to look for them. But the Grayson ship is the only one that can dive safely beyond 250 feet. Well, that's deep enough. If we pass over them, we can pick them up on the magnetic finder. May I come along, Commander? Well... It isn't customary to carry civilians, but I imagine we can make an exception in your case. Thank you, sir. I'll call and have them prepare one of our fast subs. Uh, submarine basin, quickly, please. Kent, there's more to this than appears on the surface. That submarine... Hello. Commander Lee speaking. Get the S-23 ready for immediate departure. That's right. That big dial is the depth gauge, Kent. Oh. We're down 150 feet. The more water ballast we take on, the faster we sink. What's that hiss of air? Pressure equalizer. The pressure inside the ship must be equal to the pressure outside, or these steel plates would crumple like eggshells. We're at 200 now. We'll level off at 250. How do you level off? There are two rudders at the stern of the ship. We call them planes. They control surfacing and diving when we're under power. Oh. Now, you see, we're leveling off now at 250. Uh-huh. Now, watch this small dial with the red indicator. The moment we pass over anything made of metal, the indicator will tell us how far beneath us the metal is. But how can you be sure it's the submarine? Oh, we can't. But the odds are with us. I get ten years of my life to see that indicator suddenly shoot. Hey, Kent! Something's happened. We're stopped. Motors are going, but we're not moving. Listen, Ken. That's scraping on the hull. Didn't Captain Denning say that... He said they heard scraping on the hull like iron chains. Diving officer. Commander Lee speaking. What's happened? We can't move, sir. We're caught in something. Can we surface? No, sir. Stop the motors. Have all men stand by at emergency stations. Yes, sir. Kent, same thing that happened to Denning's ship has happened to us. It's uncanny. It's impossible. I don't understand the noise on the hull. 
could we have struck a submerged wreck? How could we? We're 1,700 feet from the bottom of the ocean. Commander, is there an emergency exit from this submarine? Yes, there's a stern escape hatch. You can't use it at this depth, even with a monsoon lung. A water pressure would crush a man to death. I'm willing to try it. Oh, can't you? Mad. There's only one thing we can do. Release the disaster buoy. One of the salvage ships will send a diver down. It may be too late by then. What do you mean? Don't you remember Captain Denning's last words? Something is dragging. Now, look, Kent, I brought you along in defiance of all rules and regulations. This is an emergency, and I'm commander of the submarine. Like the crew, you take orders from me. Naturally, sir, but if I can be of any help... You can, by keeping out of the way. May I look at the escape hatch? No, stay where you are. Commander Lee speaking. Diving officer reporting, sir. No damage to hull. Standing by for orders. Release the disaster buoy. Yes, sir. Now, Kent, there's no reason for panic. The ship isn't... Kent. Where are you? Kent! Taking advantage of the few seconds during which Commander Leeds was receiving the diving officer's report, Clark Kent has slipped into the stern of the trapped submarine, determined to investigate the strange mystery of the sea as Superman. Will he be able to leave through the escape hatch? And if he does, what will he find in the darkness of the ocean depths? Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story, which continues today in the office of Harry White, editor of the Daily Planet. A long-distance phone call has come through from the naval base. 
Editor White listens attentively as Lois Lane, star girl reporter of the paper, stands anxiously at his desk. Yes, go on. Are you sure? I see. All right, Evans, thanks a lot. And call me if anything breaks. Right. That was Evans of Consolidated News. He's at the naval base. It doesn't look too good, Lois. What do you mean, Mr. White? Well, here's the story. The Navy sent that new Grayson designed submarine out on a test dive early today. It went down to 350 feet and then got stuck. Stuck? You mean on the bottom? No, it was diving at 2,000 feet of water. Well, anyway, it was stuck at 350. Couldn't go forward, backward, up or down. But, Chief, that's impossible. Well, you haven't heard anything yet. A second submarine with the head of the naval base, Commander Leeds, on board, went down to investigate. Evans just told me a report came in that the second sub just sent up a disaster boy with a note in it saying that they were stuck at 250 feet. Well, I don't understand it. Well, neither does anyone at the naval base. No matter what happens, this will make the biggest sea story of the year. Well, then why hasn't Clark Kent phoned it in? He's covering it, isn't he? For a very good reason, Lois. He's on that second submarine. What? That's right. Evans said Kent got special permission to make the dive. You... you mean Clark's stuck down there at... At 250 feet? That's what I mean. You can learn something about reporting from this, Lois. Get your story no matter where you have to go to get it. That boy has courage. Courage? Clark can't have courage? Why, he's as meek as a lamb and afraid of his shadow. Don't you believe it. Very white talking. Yes? Oh, they are. Good. Good. Yes, I'll be there. Thanks. Now, that was Evans again. Sending divers down to attach cables to the submarine Kent is on in an attempt to raise it. I'm driving down to the naval base. It's only a hundred miles from here, and I can make it in two hours. Want to come along? Sure. Okay, grab a hat and meet me at the elevator. Make it fast. On the way. Give me the press room. O'Neill, Harry White. Hold the seven-star final till you hear from me. That's right. I'll call it before seven. I think we're on the wrong road, Mr. White. The last sign I saw said 20 miles to the naval base, and we've been driving almost an hour since we passed it. Hadn't we better ask someone? Ask someone? Now, where in the name of heaven are you going to find anyone to ask? This looks like no man's land. Well, there's a fork in the road up ahead. Yeah, well, I'll go left, and that'll head us toward the ocean. Maybe we'd better go back to that sign. Uh, I got a hunch we're on the right road now. There, smell the salt air? That means we're near water. Well, I hope we're near something. What's that red light? I don't know. Oh, green. It's a dead-end sign. This is as far as the road goes. Uh, you see, I told you we were near water. There's the beach and the ocean. There's no naval base. Now what do we do? Mm, turn back, I guess. Wait a minute. Isn't that a house up on the hill there? Can't quite make it out in the darkness. Yeah, looks like a house. Yes, it is. No light and probably deserted. You can't tell. Some of these big summer houses look weatherby. Okay, you might as well. You may be right about it being deserted. Not a sign of life. Everything's overgrown and the windows are boarded up. Oh, we're just wasting time, Lois. We might just as well start back. We're almost up the hill now, and there's just a slim chance. To... Shh. What's the matter? Shh. Listen. Don't you hear the hum of a motor? A what? Probably a fishing boat. No, it's not a boat motor. It's too powerful, like like a big electric motor or, or a dynamo. Oh, you're imagining things. No, I'm not. Come on. Let's get closer to the house. Don't move, either of you. I have you cut. Uh, what's this? Uh, who are you? Quiet. I'm standing directly in front of you, but you cannot see me because of the darkness. My finger is on the trigger of a revolver. I warn you that if you make one move that I don't like, 
I will shoot you down like dogs. Do you understand? Yes. Yes, we understand. Good. Now, hold out your hands. Palms up. All right, Hans. Put on the face. Gentlemen. What is the meaning of this? I demand an explanation. You will get all the explanations that's coming to you. Lead him into the house with a flashlight, Hans. Yeah. Remember, I am following close behind you. Be careful. Go ahead. You pay for this. I'll have the police down on you so fast. Please, Mr. White, don't lose your head. The young lady gives you good advice. Never mind any advice. Open the door, Hans. Step inside, both of you. And what if I refuse? You might get a bullet through the back of your head. Mr. White, please do as he says. Close the door, Hans. Lock it. Now we will turn on a light and see what we have here. Ah, that's better. Well, a very pretty girl and an old man. Don't you call me an old man. You put that gun down and I'll show you how old I am. <laughs> this is not a test for physical strength, my friend. What is your name, young lady? Lois Lane. And yours? It's none of your business. But I'm Perry White, editor of the most powerful newspaper in the state, The Daily Planet. Oh, you are the editor of The Daily Planet. Ah, how interesting. We, we were on our way to the naval base and took the wrong road. What do you take me for, a fool? Devil? Doctor. Nun, what is that? The sin bereit and fighting in and to bring it. Something for unfunging? The fourth. Now, Mr. White, you must have realized the danger of coming here as you did. But I tell you, we were lost Quiet. and we just... Naturally, neither of you can leave this house alive. There's too much at stake. For the time being, however, you will remain where you are, in this room. Very shortly, you will be joined by an employee of yours. What are you talking about? Within less than an hour, you will be joined by a man who you both must know. A man named Clark Kent. Trapped in the deserted house high on a cliff overlooking the sea, Lois and Perry White stare at their captor in blank amazement as the vibrant hum of the mysterious motor builds to a frightening pitch. Meanwhile, back on the rescue submarine, suspended 250 feet below the surface, we find Clark Kent and Commander Leed standing at the escape hatch. Kent, it would be suicide to go out that hatch now. The water pressure at this depth would crush you flat. I'm willing to take a chance, Commander. I know I can make it. Don't be a fool. Got half divers down here before morning. We can hold out. It'll be too late, then. You remember the last word we got from Captain Denning on Grayson's new submarine? That it was being dragged? Well, that may happen to us at any moment. What good will divers do then? Oh, I can't think anymore. I... I don't know. Commander, there's something behind all this. Something, something sinister. No natural hazard could trap two submarines at different water levels and, and prevent them from moving in any direction. But what do you think it is? What do you think stopped the Grayson sub at 350 feet and this one at 250? Uh, what could it be? I don't know. But there's only one way to find out. Through that escape hatch. Please let me try it. No. No, I can't. We'll be sending a man to his death. I can't do it, I tell you. Now, look, Commander. You and I are alone in the stern compartment of this submarine. The bulkhead door is closed. None of your crew can hear what's going on. What's that got to do with your going out the escape hatch? Simply this. I may have to take desperate measures, Commander. What do you mean? I may have to force you to let me use the hatch. I don't want to resort to anything so drastic, but... Oh, no, Commander. Stay away from that door. Get your out of your mind. Stand back. I'm ordering you to stand back. 
I'm sorry I have to disobey, but this is an emergency. I'll accept full responsibility and suffer whatever consequences there are. Now, which way will it be? With your help or without? Can... Lock the door. Please. Tell him you'll be out shortly. Commander Lee. Please, Commander. Do as I tell you. Please. I'll be out shortly. Very good, sir. Thank you. Now, what's your decision, Commander? You win, Kent. You're a young fool, but I admire your courage. Go ahead. Thank you, Commander. And now, I want your word as an officer and a gentleman that you'll make no attempt to stop me. You have my word. Good. How does the escape hatch work? It's a steel cylinder running through the stern of the submarine. There are two circular doors. That one you see ahead of you, and one on the outside of the hull. I see. You enter the cylinder, and I close the inside door. I then force the hull door open with compressed air, and... And... And I'm out. Yes. You're out. All right, let's go. Now, wait a minute. In that starboard compartment, you'll find a Munson lung. I won't need it, Commander. Kent, it's the one chance in a million you've got. How else can you breathe going up through 250 feet of water? Okay. Is it? Yes. It fits over your mouth and nose. Huh? Be sure to turn the oxygen valve the moment you get into the escape hatch. Put the lung on now. You can keep the mouthpiece up until you're ready. Yeah. I don't suppose I look very pretty in it. Don't joke, Kent. Please don't joke. Well, I'm all set. Open the hatch. Now, I climb in there. Is that it? Yes. Okay. Here it goes. Goodbye, Commander. See you soon. Goodbye, Kent. And good luck. May the Lord forgive me. Unaware that Clark Kent is, in reality, Superman, Commander Lee stands at the escape hatch as the air pressure builds up and opens the hatch to the sea, certain that he has sent a man to his death. What will Superman find in the darkness of the ocean depths? What is the mystery of the disabled submarines? And two, what is the mystery of the deserted house where Lois and Perry White are held captive? Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman! It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here. Uh -huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, dig it!
You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings of a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. Trapped in a mysteriously disabled submarine 250 feet below the surface of the water, Clark Kent, against the orders and better judgment of the commander, has gone through the sub's emergency escape hatch to investigate the reason for the submarine being held motionless at this great depth. Unaware that Kent is Superman, the commander is certain he has gone to his death, crushed beyond recognition by the pressure of the water. Five minutes have passed since Kent entered the escape hatch. Commander Leeds and his first officer are standing at the submarine's control panel. The older man's lined face is pale, and his hand shakes as he passes it across his forehead. I'm a murderer, and nothing but a murderer. You mustn't feel that way, Commander Leeds. You say he insisted, and even when his father to threaten him. I know, but that's no excuse. What made me do it? Why did I agree to help him commit suicide? Why? Your life was at stake. That's reason enough. And he was probably insane with fear. I've seen people who thought they were doomed lose their minds. No, he was as sane as you are, Evans. The last thing he said before I closed the escape hatch was goodbye. See you soon. He joked about wearing a monsoon long... That he didn't look very pretty with it on. Evans, I took his life. I killed him as surely as if I'd sent a bullet to his heart. His blood is on my hand. There's that strange scraping on the hull again, Commander. Seems to be louder now. His blood is on my hands, Evans. Commander, something's happening. Look at the depth gauge. We're going up. What? Look. 230. 220. Yes. 210. We're rising. Start the motors. Hurry. Engine room, full speed ahead. Diving officer, surface at once. Heavens, it's true. We're free. One ninety. One eighty. It's a miracle. A miracle. As the submarine planes swiftly toward the surface and freedom. A strange scene is being enacted in a seemingly deserted house high on a cliff overlooking the ocean. With the almost eerie hum of what sounds like a huge dynamo in the background, Lois Lane and Perry White, handcuffed and helpless, are being held captive in a ground floor room. Their captor, a tall, well-groomed foreigner with close-cropped hair, sits opposite them. He glances at his watch, looks up, and smiles faintly. I see you are getting impatient, Herr White. You will not have long to wait. Is there anything I can get for you, Miss Lane? A glass of wine, perhaps? No, thank you. All I want to know is, when does this farce end? When do you get tired of playing games? It is hardly a game, have I? No game has stakes so high. Who are you, anyway? What difference does it make? You know what you sound like to me? One of those dirty... Be careful, have I? I do not take insults lightly. Oh, please, Mr. White, he's dangerous. Miss Lane is quite correct. I am dangerous because I am involved in dangerous business. As a matter of fact, I can see no reason for not introducing myself to you. 
You will never be able to tell anyone in this world that you have met me. My name is Dr. Deutsch. I thought so. What did you think? He didn't think anything, did you, Mr. White? You have heard of me, have I? No, but I know you're kind, Deutsch. And if you think you can get anywhere in this country, you're crazy. This isn't France or Belgium or Finland. This is America. We like our freedom, and we're going to keep it in spite of rats like you. Dare you? You will suffer for this. As no man has ever suffered before. Mr. White, please don't say any more. He's already said too much. Yeah, yeah, doctor. Hans, I want you to meet the editor of the great Daily Planet newspaper, Herr White. He has just inserted me, Hans. Nein. That will come later. He may be of use to us. In the meantime, I want you to make him suffer for the insult. You understand? Yeah. Very well. Take him away. Oh, no, please. He didn't mean Lois, it. don't plead with the swine. They don't dare touch me. Be searching. Please, don't. You don't drag me. I'll go. But remember this, Deutsch. It doesn't matter what you do with me. There are a hundred million more like me in this country, and every one of them hates you and the things you represent. Oh, now remember that, Joyce. Oh, oh, every American in this country hates you. Too bad he's such a fool, Herbert. What are you going to do to him? He will get what he deserves. But, but he's not a young man. He's not strong. You're liable to kill him. That, Miss Lane, is the least. You're a fiend. Nothing but a fiend. Those are very unpleasant words, Miss Lane. I would advise you not to use them again. I am extremely sensitive. Why are you holding us here? What have we done to you? You have attempted to interfere with my plans. Nothing can do that. You must believe me. We were lost. All we wanted were directions. Nothing this fast, Miss Lane. You and Herr White did not come here by accident. You knew somehow that we planned to get our hands on the Grayson submarine. What? Your what? innocence is not very convincing, Miss Lane. Tell me, how did you know? We didn't know. I swear you, we didn't. You lie. But it doesn't matter. Perhaps the submarine. She lies at anchor in a hidden cove nearby. Shortly, then we have disposed of some other interferers on another submarine, including your friend Clark Kent. We will sail the Grayson ship across the ocean to where it belongs. And you, I think, will have the honor of sailing with... Oh, no, you can't do that. Why? The power has gone off. I'm sorry to have to tell you, Miss Lane, that the submarine carrying Herr Kent has escaped our trap. Under the circumstances, I think it wise to sail at once. You and Herr White will accompany us. In case of difficulty... It will be well for us to have two Americans on board. No, I won't go with you. You have one of two choices, Miss Lane. Either you will accompany us willingly alive, or you will remain behind dead. You see that clock on the mantelpiece? It's about to strike the power. You must decide before it finishes striking. With Lois forced to make a decision that will mean disaster in one way or another, the situation looks desperate. Meanwhile, Commander Lead Submarine, having escaped the trap, is back at the naval base. Clark Kent has been given up for lost. The tragic news travels like wildfire. 
But even as giant presses pour extras into the street, a strange figure wheels above the city of Metropolis in curious flight. Red cloak streaming in the night wind, powerful muscles rippling beneath the taut material of his blue costume, Superman hovers over the Daily Planet building, his sharp eyes piercing the darkness. Suddenly, like some giant bird, he plummets to earth, lands on a side street, and steps back into the shadow of a doorway. In a moment, he has assumed the guise of Clark Kent, meek, soft-voiced reporter, and waits as slow, dejected footsteps approach up the street. Jimmy. Oh. Jimmy, over here. Mr. Kent. No, oh, it can't be. I'm seeing things. Shh, Jimmy, come into the doorway. You said you were lost. Dan, I heard it on the radio. Yes, I know. I want everyone to believe I'm lost. But why did they say it? I was going to quit my job. I didn't want to be a copy boy or a reporter or anything else if you were gone. Tops, Jimmy. Now, look, we've got plenty of work to do, so buck up. Okay, Mr. Kent. Gee, I'm glad to see you. <laughs> boy, oh, boy. Yeah, I'm gladder than I am to see you. I've been waiting hours for you to come out of the Daily Planet building. Is Mr. White still in his office? Gosh, no. That's another thing, Mr. Kent. Lois and Mr. White left for the naval base the minute they heard you were trapped in that submarine. Oh? That was at 6 o'clock. That's after 10. They're probably at the base now. No, they never got there. What do you mean? Well, Mr. White's secretary has been calling the naval base every 10 minutes since 8 o'clock. But they never arrived. That's funny. Say, what's this all about, Mr. Kent? What happened on that submarine? It's too long a story to tell you now, Jimmy. I know most of it. The Grayson submarine went down in a test dive and got stuck at 350 feet. Then another submarine went down after it and got stuck, too. Were you really on that second submarine? Yes, but neither of them got stuck. They were trapped. Trapped? Deep in the ocean? What trapped them? Huge steel nets that closed around them. The Grayson submarine was dragged away before anyone could help it, but the ship I was on uh, got free of the net. Gosh, Mr. Kent, who put the nets down there? And why? That's what we have to find out, Jimmy. Who's behind this? The reason for trapping the Grayson sub is pretty obvious. Someone wants to copy its design. You mean foreign agents? That's right. Now, look, Jimmy, we're wasting time. I want you to go back to the office and stay there all night if necessary. Try to contact Mr. White and tell him I'm safe, but tell him not to repeat it to a soul. If the people behind all this are as smart as I think they are, they probably knew I was on the second submarine and have heard over the radio that I've been given up for lost. All right, now let's leave it that way. They won't be looking for a dead man. You understand? Uh-huh. Gosh, you're smart. Well, let's see how smart I am. All right, get going. I'll contact you if I need anything. So long. So long, Mr. Kent. Good luck. I hope he can reach Mr. White before he gets too worried. Funny about their not having gotten to the naval base. I probably had a flat or ran out of gas. I think the only thing for me to do is fly along the coast. That missing submarine must be in the water somewhere. I'll find it as Superman. If I have to circle the globe. Somewhere, the Grayson submarine, pride of America's undersea craft, is in the murderous hands of agents hostile to the democracies of the world. With Lois Lane, Perry White, its designer and its crew prisoners on board, the sleek steel craft is even now plowing its way out to sea. Can Superman, even with all his amazing powers, find it in the vast darkness of the ocean, or is it destined to fall into the hands of the enemies of peace? There's excitement and danger ahead. Don't miss it. Don't forget. Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. 
you're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. As you remember, the Grayson submarine, newest and most powerful of the Navy's underseas craft, fell into the hands of a band of foreign agents led by a Dr. Deutsch. As a result of stumbling on Deutsch's hideout, Lois Lane, star girl reporter of the Daily Planet, and her editor Perry White have been taken aboard the submarine as hostages. At the moment, the sleek steel craft submerged to avoid detection, slips through the sea bound for a foreign port, its captain, designer, and crew unwillingly doing the bidding of Dr. Deutsch and his henchmen. To join Walter Grayson, Captain Denning, and Deutsch in the control room of the submarine. I must compliment you, Herr Grayson. You have developed a fighting machine beyond all belief. With this type of submarine, one country can rule the world. Congratulations. Haven't you already done enough? Must to rub salt in the wounds, or is that just part of your fiendish nature? I forgive you addressing me in that way only because I realize you are not yourself at the moment, Herr Grayson. But believe me, men have gone to their death for less. I don't doubt it for a moment. Captain Denning, you have been strangely silent. Surely you, a naval officer, must be accustomed to things like this. Simply one of the chances of war. This isn't war. This is dirty, sneaking espionage. This is typical of men without a sense of decency. Again, I forgive you. But don't go too far. You may drive me to the end of my patience. I told you that no harm will come to anyone on board. We are interested only in the submarine. I have given you my promise that you will simply be held until the war is over. What do the promises of you and your kind amount to? They've been broken before. I heard enough. Hold your tongue, both of you. Hold up, come on. Very fine ship. Let's and kick your son. Let me see in periscope. Yeah. You are right. I see the lights of a ship off our port bow. You know what might be very interesting, Captain Denning? I'm sure that anything that might be interesting to you would not be interesting to me. You are quite right. But I was thinking as I watched the lights of that ship, the torpedo mechanism of this marvelous submarine has not yet been tested. Has it? No! No, in heaven's name, no! You are pale as a ghost, Sir Grayson. Denning, do you know what he means? Do you know what he's planning? Yes, I know. As you say in English, you are way ahead of me. No, can't be that much of a beast. It's impossible. What are you talking about? Both Mr. Grayson and I know what you have in mind. You're thinking of trying a torpedo out on that ship. Strange how you read my thoughts. So, you have objections? Even animals don't kill for the sheer joy of killing. That ship may be a passenger vessel or a fishing trawler. It may be a warship, too. It's doing you no harm. This is war. Or you do not wait for the enemy to do you harm. You guard against that by doing him harm first. And I rather like the idea of testing the torpedo. 
I would have cut my arms off or blown out my brains if I had known that this submarine would ever be used for such a purpose. You are hysterical, Herr Grace. No, he isn't. He's acting as any normal human being would act under the circumstances. He realizes as I do that war is the most inhuman of man's creation. A very pretty speech, Captain Denning, but very impractical. I'm afraid you will have to stand by and watch me indulge in a little target practice. Fortunately, I have men on board who are experienced torpedo guns. In case, I will not require your crew. And you will tell Preston in the torpedo room that we will attempt to sink the ship. I will give the order that we are ready. The boy, Doctor. It's very interesting to watch a ship through a periscope, knowing that you are safe because you cannot be seen. Very interesting. You wish to look at it, Captain? No, sir. They are approaching it broadside. A good position, isn't it? But I can tell it seems like a small ship. One torpedo should probably finish it. Stand back, Grace! Stand back or I'll shoot you, fiend! You've killed him. What did you expect? It was my life. His. He had murder in his eyes. He had gone mad. You drove him to madness. I don't suppose that's anything new to you either. Watch yourself, Captain. I am in no humor to be toyless now. Drag him off to one side. Drag him yourself. You killed him. Did you hear me, Agnes? Or it will go hard as you are. Stand back. I will get rid of him. Make certain, Captain, you do not follow him. I was just thinking, Deutsch, how lucky Grayson is. It's all over for him. He doesn't have to look at your piggish eyes any longer. He doesn't have to breathe the same air you breathe. Go on. I know what you are trying to do, but it is all wasted on me. Well, you will have another look through the periscope. And don't try the same thing Herr Grayson tried, Captain. This time I will use the butt of the gun. And all you will have for your pains is a headache. We are almost in position. It is a bigger ship than I imagined. I wonder how they are getting along with the torpedo room. I'll find out. And the gate for it. Yeah. Yeah, good. All is ready, Captain. You know, there is something exciting about this. Exciting about this. Something that makes your heart race and the blood pound in your veins. It's always that way when you play a game with the stakes of death. Unfortunately, all your games are one-sided. The cards are stacked. Well, then, Captain, it's the only sure way of winning. I think the time has come. See here on the control panel, a button marked torpedo fire stern tube. That evidence is upon our threat. Don't listen to me for the last time. Have mercy. You've already killed one man in cold blood, isn't it enough? You may have all the mercy, Captain. I shall have the victory. Wait. Seems to be another bottle of breath. What does it say? 30 seconds warning bell. Torpedo fire. I see. That I press first. Now the time. The 
But even as the alarm bell echoes through the submarine, a red-cloaked figure flying high above the jagged coastline stops in midair as his keen eyes discern a car parked at a dead-end road. Like a streak of light, he dives to the ground, landing beside the parked car. I thought so. Mr. White's car. That means he and Lois must be in that old house up on the cliff. It won't take long to find out. Hmm. Place looks deserted. What on earth made them stop here? Well, we'll just rip some of these boards off this window and see what's what. There. Now up over the sill and inside. Hmm. Black as pitch. Hardly seems like the kind of a place Lois and Mr. White would go out of their way to find, unless... Wait. Someone moaning? Either that or an animal. I think I'd better investigate. See what's behind this door. Hmm. Locked. Ah, we'll fix that. What? There's a man stretched out on the bed. Bound and gagged. All right, just a second, mister. We'll have you out of this. There, that's better. Huh. I thought I'd never get free. Who tied you up? Turn on the light. Never mind the light. Who tied you up? It's a long story. I'm the caretaker for this property here. Yes, yes. I live up the road a piece. A couple of weeks ago, a man came and wanted to rent it. Well? I didn't like his looks. The house had been empty for three years, so I let him have it. Yes, go on. Well... Some people moved in, and big trucks drove around the back, but they never took the boarding off the windows. And I got suspicious, and so to mosey it around the night before last. They caught me and put me in here. I couldn't move, but I could hear everything. They've got a submarine. What? Yes, an American submarine. I don't know how they got it, but they sailed away in it across the ocean. When did they leave? Yes, a couple of hours ago. Do you know whether a young woman and an elderly man are with them on the submarine? Yes. Yes. Newspaper folks. That's right. I heard them talking about it. And you say they left a couple of hours ago and are headed out to sea? Yes. They must have forgot about me in the rush. You're sure the young lady, Miss Lane, and the elderly gentleman were taken along? I'm sure enough of that. I heard them talking. The man's name was Wright, wasn't it? White. Terry White. That's it. That's it. I heard him say that he was the editor of a paper. Why don't you turn the light on, mister? I haven't time now. I've got to go. You'll be all right now, won't you? Yes, thanks to you. Then goodbye. Goodbye, and thanks again. So they're heading out to sea in the Grayson sub with Lois and Mr. White aboard. I've got to stop them if it's the last thing I do. A two-hour head start won't bother me, but I wish I knew the direction they took. The Atlantic is a big ocean. Well, no sense guessing about it. Here's the window I came in. I'll find that submarine somehow. Up! Up! And away! Making use of his amazing ability to leap great distances and fly through the air, Superman streaks out to sea in search of the kidnapped submarine. But even he is unaware that Dr. Deutsch is about to test the torpedo mechanism of the new submarine by murderously blasting a ship out of the water. Only a few seconds remain. What will happen? Listen to the next episode for a startling climax. Don't forget. Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature 
appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, place a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. When we last saw Superman, he was streaking out to sea, making use of his amazing power of flight to find the Grayson submarine, stolen by a group of foreign agents and being sailed to a foreign port. On board the undersea's craft, in addition to its captain and American crew, are Lois Lane and Perry White, editor of the Daily Planet. At the moment, Dr. Deutsch, head of the espionage gang, has submerged the submarine and is about to fire a torpedo at a passing ship just to test the submarine's firing mechanism. In the control compartment, he holds Captain Denning at gunpoint while the torpedo-firing alarm bell rings through the steel hull. Now that the alarm is sounded, all I must do is press this button. The one which says, Torpedo fire, stern tube. That ship will sink like a punctured balloon. The love of mercy, Joyce, don't do it. There are innocent people aboard that ship. People who have done you no harm whatsoever. We are wasting time. I will press the button. Joyce! Too late! It's done! Now. Whining like a banshee, 2,000 pounds of sudden death catapults from the stern of the submarine and cuts through the water in the direction of the doomed ship, white foam bubbling in its wake. In the all-enveloping darkness, human vision is unable to follow the path of the death-stealing torpedo. But high above the rolling ocean, the eyes of Superman can see the line of white foam trailing the steel fish. For a moment, he hangs in midair, and then, realizing that the torpedo is aimed at the ship moving slowly through the night, Superman dives with the speed of light, landing in the water between the torpedo and its target. Here she comes, and plenty fast, too. It's big enough to blow that ship in half, but not big enough to... I've got you. Now to turn you upside down and send you to the bottom of the sea. So long. That torpedo must have come from the Grayson sub. No other would fire at an American ship in these waters. It could probably pick it up better from above. No, wait. I can see its periscope dead ahead of me, heading east. I'd better follow it in the air until it comes to the surface. Up! Up! And away! I am afraid, Captain Denning, that we missed the ship wasted a torpedo. Too bad. Either that or a kindly providence protects decent human beings from madmen like yourself. I have already told you, Captain, that you are wasting your breath trying to insult me. At least until the submarine lies at anchor at some port in my own country. Then if you dare open your mouth, you will suffer for And order the submarine brought to the surface to see the full speed. And bring Kepler here to take the captain to his father. 
One of my men will be here in a moment. Remember, Captain, I have only a small group of assistants on board, but each of them is well trained. Do not attempt anything for which you might be sorry. How's it? Quick, Kessler. Yep. You will show Captain Denning to his quarters and remain on guard outside. If he attempts anything you do not consider proper in a prisoner, you are not to kill him. Just render him helpless temporarily. You understand? Your help, Good night, Captain Denning. And you will remain here. <laughs> the good captain is not in the best of humor. Kein Wunder, Herr Doctor. Speak English, Hans. You ought to be of help to me in the future. You must speak English well. Yeah, Herr Doctor. It's too bad if he missed with the torpedo, man. No, but not serious. We have the submarine. That is the most important thing. Are we on the surface yet? Yeah. Open the conning tower hatch. We will go on deck for a breath of fresh air. Up the ladder, Hans. I will follow you. Air feels good, eh, Hans? Yeah, Doctor. All the nights are like this with the sea smooth. We will be home in six days. Yeah, in six days. Imagine Hans stealing a submarine right from under the very noses. Why, it's, it's unheard of. Hey, Doctor. What is it? I heard a strange wind. There's always wind on the sea. Just think of it, Hans. There will be headlines in the newspapers and they will decorate Listen, us. Doctor. I hear it again. Oh, you hear wind. Well, what of it? What was that? The submarine rolls. Maybe the hatches must pass. It's not. Why are you so nervous, Hans? They will be nervous until they are across the ocean. But what can happen now? Do you think these Americans are smart enough to realize what we have done? No. They are stupid. Are they? Who's there? A stupid American. Where is he? I can't see. Yes. That gun won't do you any good, my friend. Might as well toss it overboard. Put your hands up. Don't make me laugh. Put them up or I shoot. Go ahead. <laughs> See how those bullets bounced off my chest? Well, that's how you're going to bounce right now. So, Americans are stupid, are they? Now, I'll just knock your thick skulls together for good measure. Well, you boys can't take it very well. Both are cold. Well, down the hatch, one at a time. There we are. And I think I'd better follow you and have a look around. This must be the control compartment. All these dials, gauges here. Well, now to find Captain Denning. I'll try this steel door, see what it leads. Like a corridor, a companionway. Wait. There's a man sitting outside a closed door. Not in uniform, so he must be one of the gang. Yeah, it's a good thing that light over his head is yellow and feeble. I'll sneak up behind him. Good evening. Who are you? Here's my calling card. Guarding someone in this compartment. I think it's time to get rid of this cape and costume and become Clark Kent. Yeah, that's better. I haven't used Kent's high voice in so long, it sounds strange. Now, let's see who's in here. 
What do you want? Captain Denning? Yes. Hello, Captain Denning. Now what? Oh, I'm not one of the gang, Captain. My name is Clark Kent. I'm a reporter on the Daily Planet. Reporter? I know it must sound strange, but it's true. Here's my police card. But, but how did you get on board? We've been at sea for hours. Well, uh, I've been trailing this gang of agents. I, I tracked them down to their hideout, an old house on a cliff. And when they brought this submarine into a hidden cove near the house, I knew something was wrong, so I sneaked on board. I've been lying low ever since. <laughs> it's amazing. How did you get by the gorilla on guard? Oh, a lucky punch fixed him. Same goes for the two who are on deck. They're, they're sleeping peacefully in the control room. You mean Dr. Deutsch and Hans? Yes, Hans is one of them. The other is heavy set with a bristling mustache. Yes, that's Dr. Deutsch. He's head of the gang. Oh. Captain, we've got to work fast. What you say is true. We can regain control of the submarine. With Deutsch, Hans, and Chester out of commission, there are only four of the gang left. They locked most of my crew in the stern compartment. Oh. Those that are free are operating the submarine at gunpoint. I have two revolvers hidden in my locker here. I've been saving them for just such an opportunity. Here you are. Now follow me. Uh, just a minute, Captain. Before we get mixed up in anything, I'd like to know the whereabouts of two friends of mine who are being held on board. Uh, Miss Lane and Mr. White? Oh, they're locked in the stern of my crew. We'll free them later. Oh, good. Can't you certainly flatten this bird on the floor? If Deutsch and Hans got the same treatment, they won't be on their feet for a long time. Come on down this dramatic way. Two of the gang are in the engine room and two more in the diving control compartment. We'll tackle the engine room first. Quiet now. Right up in here. You swing the door open and I'll cover them. Here we go. Go ahead. Open it. Drop those guns and don't move. Little boy, can't look out! They're looking for a fight, Captain. Let's go! How's this? Can't you? You knocked both of them out. Good heavens, man. How'd you dare wade through that hail of bullets where you hit? Oh, not a scratch. Let's get the other two. Well, my men here can handle them. Take the guns, boys, and let them have it. They get tough. Aye, sir. First thing we've got to do, Kent, is radio the naval base and tell them we're on our way back at full speed. This is the happiest moment of my life, I can thank you for it. We're going back, Kent, with the ship intact. We're going back at full speed. Oh, it was nothing, Commander Lee. Nothing but good fortune. And the right hope that would make a monkey out of Joe Lewis. <laughs> well, it's all over now. We've got the submarine and the gang. Captain Denning, where is this man Deutsch? Oh, he and his first assistant Hans are being brought to the detention building by one of our men, Commander. I think I'd better join Lois and Mr. White, Commander. They're having some coffee. Commander Leach! Commander Leach! Yes? Commander Leach! What is it? Those two spies. They escaped. What? Escaped? You mean Deutsch and Hans? Yes, they got away. They're gone. Well, it looks as though Commander Leeds was a little hasty when he said it was all over. With Dr. Deutsch at liberty, it isn't all over by a long shot. Someone is bound to suffer at the criminal hands of the murderous foreign agent. Deutsch is out for revenge, and the object of his revenge are Lois, White, and Kent. What will happen, and where will he strike first? Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with... Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! 
Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!